Welcome to Western New York Catholic Weekly, a production of the Office of Communications for the Catholic Diocese of Buffalo. As August rolls around, of course, we start to think about back to school, and we've actually got a couple of programs on that topic. Not the school you're thinking of, though. Not our uh, kids going back to our Catholic schools or our high schools, or even our college students who are all kind of getting into session now, but uh, some of our other college students at Christ the King Seminary in East Aurora, New York. And uh, the seminary, of course, uh, just like all of our uh, institutions of higher learning, uh, into their fall semester, and they've got some great things going on next week week, Father Joe Gatta will be joining us, and he'll tell us about uh, some of the things going on this semester at the seminary. But this year in particular, we have been, as a diocese, concentrating on our first bishop, Bishop John Tymon, on the 150th anniversary of his death. And joining us to talk about that from Christ the King Seminary today is Dr. Dennis Castillo, who is a professor of church history at the seminary. Uh, Dennis, Welcome to the program. Thanks for being with us. Thank you for having me. Uh, so a significant year for our diocese and a significant year for um, Bishop Timon. Um, before we get into uh, some of the things, I, and I, I'll, I'll, we'll probably start by talking about the conference that you have coming up about uh, Bishop Timon on Friday, September 22nd out at the seminary. Just give some folks an idea who who you are. I mentioned you're a professor of church history at the seminary. Yes, yes I'm a professor of church history. Uh, church history is one of the many subjects that seminarians and other people studying graduate theology uh, take. So I'll uh, pretty much cover early church, Middle Ages, modern uh, uh, American church history. And our, our topic today is covering a very important figure in American Catholic history. Um, and uh, I've been at the seminary since the year 2000. And uh, it's, uh, it's been a very good experience uh, preparing people for ministry. But prior to that, where were you? Oh, I was at a seminary in uh, Michigan, okay. St. Cyril Methodius Seminary. Oh, all right. Yeah, that's yes. familiar to uh, uh, some of our folks yes. as well. So, uh, um, you know, uh, we've had a long relationship with many seminaries around the diocese, mm-hmm. but that is one that um, several of our priests have actually come out of. Yes. So there we go. Uh, so Bishop John Timon, the first bishop of Buffalo, like I said, um, we're going to have a, a day, a conference commemorating his legacy on Friday, September 22nd. What do we hope to accomplish on that day? What kinds of things are you going to be covering? Well, I think uh, what we hope for is that uh, people appreciate not only uh, the many, many social service agencies, educational institutions that Bishop Timon brought into being, but uh, more importantly, to try to uh, spread his vision of uh, transcending ethnic divisions and being one unified family of faith trying to help our brothers and sisters in need. Um, and just for the benefit of our listeners, that's not why we picked this topic today, actually, even though it is especially pertinent in our current situation, apparently, in the oh, United yes. States. I mean, those issues mm-hmm. continue. Yes. And yes. and Timon dealt with them at the, at the time of coming to Buffalo. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, he always liked to say that he was uh, conceived in Ireland but born in the United States. And so while he was very proud of his Irish heritage – he still believed that uh, we were all one community and uh, tried to overcome any any divisions in the community so that uh, Germans, Irish, 
uh, Italians would work together to help one another. Uh, now, I will refer folks to uh, cks.edu, which is the website for Christ the King Seminary. And if you go to the events section, you will see information about the uh, conference commemorating Timon's legacy Friday, September 22nd. It's from 1 to 5 in the main dining room. Uh, no cost to attend, right? But uh, people should register yes, for that. Yes, that'd be good to know how many folks are coming. Okay. So uh, again, go to cks.edu. You can find out all the information uh, about that. Um, so and our first bishop was an Irish yes. bishop, which uh, in many ways I, I suppose is appropriate. I know mm-hmm. our friends in South Buffalo would certainly say yeah, that anyway. But yeah. um, was that a deliberate move? Yeah. Um, yeah, it's interesting how Timon became bishop. Actually, um, I, remo- I remember when uh, Bishop Kimmick first arrived, he always liked to say how uh, he was happy in Nashville, thought he was going to retire in Nashville, but then the Pope called and said, I want you to go to Buffalo. And he said, well, who, t- who tells the Pope no? Right. Well, actually, Timon had done it three times. There were numerous attempts to uh, make him a bishop. Uh, Vincennes, New York, uh, 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 St. Louis. He was a really hot commodity. Uh, Timon was widely recognized for his abilities and had become a very prominent figure in the Vincentian order, uh, the same religious order that runs Niagara University, and uh, actually became the first uh, uh, first superior of the American province of the Vincentian. So he was a, he was a man who was greatly in demand. And uh, so uh, when Buffalo was established in 1847, he was once again at the top of many lists for bishop. This time he took Buffalo, though. The other cases where he did not uh, 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 go into those uh, those dioceses, uh, the situation was he would have been a uh, an assistant bishop. The understanding being he would then succeed that bishop and t- and become okay. the, the so it was a coadjutor bishop with right of succession is the canonical term. Um, but Timon was pretty much a man who liked to be in charge. And so he turned those down. Uh, and the Vincentian order was very happy for him to turn them down because he had, they had a lot of things for him to do. So, sure. for example, he goes to Texas when Texas becomes an independent country to help restore relations with the church there. So he was a very, very important figure. How, but how long had the Vincentians been um – Kind of here in the United States at that point. You mentioned he was their first yeah. superior. Here, yeah, he's the so. first superior. But prior to that, not exactly sure when their founding was. They've been here early in American Catholic history, but they were always under European uh, yeah. uh, right. control. Okay. So, uh, he, and in fact, actually, uh, at a conference that we held um, this uh, uh, last January, the American Catholic Historical Association, we had a panel on Timon. And one of the papers actually focused on how there was an attempt to make him head of the entire Vincentian order. And so he was very well appreciated wow. not only in the United States but uh, but also in Europe. So we were quite fortunate to have him. The reason he took Buffalo, we seem to think, is that in Buffalo he would be the man in charge and also in Buffalo he would be building from scratch. Um, Timon had a very strong missionary attitude to him. Um, in fact, uh, in his summer uh, summers off, his vacation time as a seminarian, he would spend with a close friend 
going on horseback, wandering all over Arkansas uh, doing evangelization. And this was very important for him. So in Buffalo, he'd be the founding bishop and he could take that missionary zeal to him. And after 20 years, we see the, the, the product of that. I, I want to look back at Buffalo specifically. So prior to time and coming, being installed as our first bishop, tell us about Catholicism in Western sure. New York then. Well, uh, at Independence, uh, the United States uh, was officially um, uh, the Diocese of Baltimore. Uh, so uh, Baltimore encompassed uh, the whole 13 colonies plus the lands east of the Mississippi River. Uh, then after a few years under our first bishop in the United States, John Carroll, uh, um, we, the, uh, Baltimore was divided up and uh, New York being one of the dioceses. So um, New York encompassed the entire state for so a very long time. Buffalo was at the extreme western fringe of the Diocese of New York. Uh, it was very difficult for Catholics at that time. Um, we have stories of individuals hitching up the, the horses and going to Monroe, Michigan to get the children baptized because that was the closest priest they could find, um, uh, midwives baptizing children, uh, families doing prayers over, over uh, those loved ones who had passed on. And then every once in a while, a priest or bishop would come through and you'd have marriages regularized and confirmations take place. And uh, so it was uh, uh, very, very difficult. Um, we did have a very devout Catholic who settled in Buffalo, a man named Louis Lecato, who uh, was able to, um, uh, with some resources, uh, he'll, he'll be founding the first parish in Buffalo, St. Louis. Uh, which is an interesting story in itself. Um, the first priest ordained in the United States, uh, Stephen Bodden, was passing through Buffalo for his new parish of Kentucky. <laughs> and um, he stayed at the Lecato family, wintered uh, there, and uh, Louis was really happy about that, having a priest in the home. And uh, Baden uh, was able to convince Lecato that once enough Catholics had settled to donate land for a parish. And so after the Erie Canal was established, he donated property at Main and Edward Streets, which became St. Louis. Um, we could do an entire program. Oh, yeah. uh, we'd probably do two on St. Louis because um, it's not only is it a fascinating history, it's got all the elements. It's got conflict. It's got yeah. everything. I mean, it's a, it's a fascinating story and not surprising, of course, plays into the, the story we're telling about well, timing actually, today. Part, that was part of what – what prompted Timon being picked. Um, the conflict uh, over church property and control in St. Louis preceded Timon. So the bishop at the time in New York, uh, John Hughes, was um, a very confrontational man. And, but he also had ambition to be the first archbishop of New York. So he uh, kind of caved to St. Louis and gave them a false sense that uh, he was yielding to their position, whereas actually he was doing it because they were threatening to send a petition to Rome. So he tried to, to smooth things over and then dumped it on the incoming bishop who would be Timon. And one of the reasons Timon was selected was because of his knowledge of German. Um, so uh, so that did, that did uh, help 
um, lead to Tymon's arrival here. Uh, but uh, but Tymon will not yield the way Hughes did, and uh, and the situation at St. Louis was quite uh, indicative of his um, of uh, his approach. Uh, uh, when you look at immigration to the United States, um, of the four major immigrant groups that came here, the Irish, the Germans, the Italians, and the Poles, the Germans were the most affluent, and um, they uh, represented the wealthiest community in Buffalo. And so Timon naturally went to them for the funding of, of orphanages, hospitals, and such. Now, often they were reluctant. What they wanted to do was beautify St. Louis. And uh, one one comment in regards to the orphanage was, well, none of our people need it. And Timon's response was, everyone is our people. And uh, so uh, he uh, was very adamant that as bishop, he was father of the entire diocese and it was important to help those who were, who were uh, poor and needed assistance. Uh, and now you mentioned the, the four main groups of immigrants coming over here. And we're going to take a short break. But I, as you were talking, I kind of um, – the thing that caught my attention was you mentioned <laughs> the priest comes in. He's on his way to Kentucky, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, and really, as far as Catholicism goes, is part of that because the United States was kind of viewed as – all of it as sort of missionary territory, right? Because it was yeah. at, at settlement Protestant yes. primarily. Yep. Right, so I mean the the so the church. When I say the church, I guess I mean Rome. You know, had maybe a little bit of a different view than those of us here. Oh, absolutely, yeah. We're mission territory up until Pius the Tenth. Yeah, yeah. Um, the uh, uh, I mean, originally the thirteen colonies. I mean, in indep- prior to independence, the thirteen colonies was under the Vicar Apostolic in London. Um, the the parts that are in the American Midwest were under the Bishop of Quebec <laughs> and uh, Florida was under the Bishop of Santiago. And uh, so now we're an independent country and putting that all together, um, so we needed to have our own diocese. Yeah. But uh, yeah, we're mission territory. And actually, something we should always remember every October in World Mission Sunday is that for, for many, many, many years, uh, we were recipients of a great deal of generosity. Uh, missionary associations in Bavaria, France, Austria were always donating money to help those poor Catholics in the United States. Yeah. Actually, St. Joe's, our, uh, our cathedral, uh, uh, Timon was able to um, uh, raise money from uh, folks in Mexico to help uh, build uh, the cathedral. So. Um, as it was, but he was a genius at raising money. So. Well, I, you know, I, again, it's it's kind of mind-boggling to think that, yeah. you know. So, talking about Bishop Timon, the first bishop of Buffalo on Western New York Catholic Weekly this week. I'm Greg Prince. There'll be a conference commemorating his legacy in this 150th anniversary year of his death. Uh, it's taking place Friday, September 22nd at Christ the King Seminary from 1 to 5. Go to cks.edu. You can go to the website and uh, and find out all the information about that. Dennis Castillo joins us, uh, who is a professor of church history at the Seminary. So, so Timon is named the first bishop, and uh, one of the things you mentioned early on in our program today, of course, is um, one of his great legacies 
were social services. I yes. mean, that was a that was a, an important thing for him. That was one of the hallmarks of his episcopacy. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but I'm, and I'm sure we're going to talk a little bit more about that. But what were the immediate priorities when he arrived in Buffalo? Okay. Well. Uh, to kind of look at where that desire to help came from, uh, he is a Vincentian, and so he's yeah. a he's a son of Saint Vincent, <laughs> and uh, the patron saint of charities, and so that charism from the Vincentians uh, was very much a part of him. And when he first showed up, the diocese of Buffalo, well, actually, the diocese of Buffalo, we got to keep in mind, was twenty counties, so it was Buffalo and current Rochester combined. And uh, you had uh, uh, about 45,000 Catholics, 16 parishes, 16 priests um, with um, uh, just one orphanage. Uh, Were were we the first other diocese in New York? uh, When they divided up New York, um, um, they knew they were going to establish Albany. The question would be which diocese would be established west. And it was actually a contest between Buffalo and Rochester. Rochester lost and has been kind of touchy about it. Uh, As I mentioned, uh, uh, Mexico was very generous in building the cathedral. We didn't get any money from Rochester. But uh, I hope we're all okay now. Um, But um, the – uh, the only the only social service institution was this uh, orphanage for girls. So um, uh, what he does is he relocates it because he wants to concentrate everything in one area for better for better management. So we have the Saint Fe- Saint Vincent's Female Orphan Asylum, the old name, founded 1848. So that was one of the first institutions he founded. But another one he founded very very quickly was a hospital. Buffalo didn't have a hospital. Uh, Back in those days, people who had means would have the doctor come and make a house call. But if you were poor, uh, your only option was going to the county poorhouse or if there was an epidemic, some makeshift hospital would be thrown together. Now, in the 1830s, Buffalo uh, suffered from a cholera epidemic. Uh, Many people died and uh, in uh, 1849, cholera came back to Buffalo. Fortunately, however, one of the first things that Tymon did was establish a hospital. Now, what's interesting is that for eight years, the Buffalo medical community was debating whether or not to establish a hospital. You had doctors associated with uh, UB, which was a medical school at the time only, and uh, they wanted to do a hospital, but other members of the medical community opposed it, fearing competition. Timon comes in, sees there's no hospital, brings in six nuns from Baltimore, and within a couple months, the sisters have a hospital going just in time for the cholera epidemic. And so I remember when there was a big debate over health care and the bishops were arguing in favor of opposing abortion being covered and uh, there were people saying, well, what are the bishops doing butting in on this issue? I was like, excuse me, but this has been a very important issue for the church, and thank goodness, time and butted in on healthcare and saved <laughs> right. hundreds of lives. Right. So those were the first initial ones: um, an orphanage and and hospital, and uh, then he just kept building and building. 
Well, and I would imagine so. Um, St. Louis already existed yes. here in the, in the yeah. city of Buffalo. Uh, parishes must have been a priority for him, right? Establishing parishes in all these different counties of the diocese. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Um, he, um, he, what his main concern was was establishing churches. He didn't worry about about um, uh, the beauty of the churches. First, he would establish missions and other kind of rough structures um, just to make sure people are being served. Then as time go went on, he would help and build, um, uh, replace them with more lasting uh, structures. Um, but, you know, for example, if you're looking at the old early days, uh, uh, St. John Neumann, before he left and went to Philadelphia, he's covering an amazing territory. And, you know, this is on horseback. Yeah. So... Uh, it's it's really quite remarkable, and and this was a zeal. This is one of the things that that, that Timon really liked about this vast area. He always loved going off into the winter time, going from uh, parish to parish, um, uh, doing his own missionary work. So he always regarded himself, even as bishop, as as uh, as a missionary. Now I'm we're running low on time, which amazes me because there's those, uh, you know, it seems like we just started talking about Bishop Diamond here. Um, and it, it, his story is so fast. I'm going to ask you a little bit about what kind of man Timon was. But just before we do that, if people went to cks.edu and uh, looked at the the brochure on the events page for the Timon thing, there's a list under Timon's legacy of just some of the the things that were established by him here in Buffalo. Do you care to highlight those for us just real quick? Because I think people will be astounded that how many of these still exist. Oh, absolutely. So uh, I mentioned Sisters Hospitals, St. Mary's School for the Deaf, another unique institution. Uh, in the area of colleges, Niagara University, St. Bonaventure University. And he also brought the Jesuits here, who then a couple years after his death yeah. established Canisius right. College and High School. Um, while any diocese would be happy to have a seminary. We had uh, two, uh, the Seminary of Our Lady of the Angels, which was part of Niagara, and then the current Christ the King Seminary, which at that time was part of St. Bonaventure. Um, he didn't establish many elementary schools because what he saw that the community needed were secondary schools. And so uh, Narden Academy, Holy Angels, St. Joseph's Collegiate, Canisius High School, these were all founded to serve that need. And, and because of that strategic vision he had, focusing on what the community needed, many of these institutions, actually all of them except for Holy Angels, continue to, to exist today. Uh, so as we wrap up here, how would you characterize Bishop Timon as a, as a person? What kind of guy was he? Well, he was very focused. He was yeah. very focused. Yeah. And um, his biographer, a man named Leonard Forgiato, uh, called him a man in a hurry. So he's always <laughs> on to the next project. Wow. Now, the thing about Timon was while he was very driven and, 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 and in that sense kind of hard to work with, um, he did have a remarkable ability to see to it that for the good of the work, it was important to bring in as many people as possible. So what he would do is he'd identify an, an area of need, uh, the deaf community, for example, um, uh, sisters is another example. So there's no hospital. We need a hospital. So he uses the resources of the church to get this going, 
brings in faculty from UB as consultants, gives them access to the hospital, makes sure that the hospital is not run as a sectarian hospital, but it is open to all people, which then allows him to get public funding. Right. And and much the same way today, Catholic Charities raises uh, the I mean the Buffalo Catholic community is very generous in the Catholic Charities appeal, but then they're able to use that money to leverage. I think it's like three dollars for right. every dollar raised, yeah. right? Yeah. And so then once Timon got that going with public support, then he's on to the next project, and then the next project. And so uh, yeah, man in a hurry would probably be be the best. Um, he he catches the infection of a patient he's giving last rites to, so always a priest, always always uh, serving, and um, um, uh, we we can look today not only of course his his remains in in the um, in the cathedral, but also the various institutions that remain as his legacy. Yeah, it is fascinating. And uh, again, there's a million more stories we could tell had we more time today. I would really encourage people to uh, you know, think about attending the uh, conference commemorating Bishop John Timon at the seminary Friday, September 22nd, 1 to 5. Christ the King Seminary is at 711 Knox Road in East Aurora. And if you've never been out there, this is a great excuse to go out because our, our fall weather is beautiful. The, the grounds are, are as gorgeous then as they are in the summertime. Yep. And so, uh, we, you know, we encourage people. CKS.edu is their website. Dr. Dennis Castillo, our guest today, uh, thank you so much for sharing a little bit about timing with us. Well, thank you. It's been my pleasure. And next week, I mentioned Father Joe Gatto, the uh, president and rector at Christ the King Seminary, will join us, tell us about some more things the seminary has going on for this fall semester. I'm Greg Prince. We'll be back with you next week. You've been listening to Western New York Catholic Weekly, produced by the Office of Communications for the Catholic Diocese of Buffalo, with the help of the Catholic Communication Campaign and this radio station. Call us at 847-8744 or send us an email to radio at buffalodiocese.org.